live from Master Closet Studios. You're listening to the only podcast on the internet who spent a considerable portion of their weekend discussing paradoxes. <laughs> oh, I hope that's true. The Noobs and the Whovian. My name is Austin and I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Trip and Corbin. And we're the Noobs. And this, as always, is the podcast that is introducing a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and then discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before and two, two sons, sons who haven't. Welcome to episode 17, covering series two, episode four, The Girl in the Fireplace. This is the one where the Doctor, Rose, and Mickey? Ricky. It's Mickey. No, it's Ricky. I think I know my own name. You think you know your own name? How stupid are you? Well, they all go to a space station 5,000 years in the future that's full of clockwork androids. Madame de Pompadour's life and a horse. The doctor introduces himself into the childhood of a French girl and then haunts her room for the rest of her life, sort of. The androids need something from Renette to fix their spaceship, so naturally the doctor hates them in all of their beautiful, gorgeous, clockworkity goodness. He figures out the droid's plan and literally rides in on a white horse to save the day while trapping himself in 1764 forever. I don't think that's technically possible. Until Renette remembers her fireplace. The doctor goes spinning around to the other side, then thinks to invite Renette, but not thinking about how wibbly-wobbly that fireplace has become. He comes back, she's dead, he's alright, because he's always alright. The end. Oh, and the ship is called the SS Madame de Pompadour. Alright, so production notes this week, this is story number... Trip, what number are we on? Uh, you don't know. Even though we literally just <laughs> listened to the podcast. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's right. We, we listened to last week's episode this morning, so we're having our own little wibbly-wobbly thing happening. This was episode, I'm sorry, story number 171, originally airing May 6th, 2006 to 7.4 million viewers, so uh, still kind of... Not 7.4 viewers. That'd uh, be awkward. What? Okay. Uh, <laughs> this one was written by Stephen Moffat. Now, Stephen Moffat... We've talked a little bit about him. Yeah, he wrote, he's been on here a few times. Yeah, he wrote our, our favorite one. Uh, the, oh gosh, here we go. The unquiet, earthly, dead child. Empty child. Empty child. With a gas mask on his face. You have the notes. What is it? The empty child. The empty child. We just uh, have oh, the it's notes. right there in my notes. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. He wrote The Empty Child. That was, a, and I believe he won a Hugo for that one. He also he uh, was a, he was a longtime fan. Had uh, he talked about having like a love hate relationship with Doctor Who over the years? You know the good times and the bad times and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And down the road, in a couple of years, uh, he's going to become the showrunner. So he's going to be like the the head writer, the executive producer, the guy like steering Taking over Russell steering T. the TARDIS. Um, yes, is it Russell T? Yeah, Russell T is the so. showrunner right now. Yeah, I'm pretty. So. He's the right. Yeah, he's the, he's head, the writer. head writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So exactly. So Stephen Moffat is Stephen Moffat is the guy I think of when I think of Doctor Who showrunners, um, really? because I don't think I was I don't think I was really aware of it prior to getting into that part of it during my initial watch through. This was also wow. directed by Euros Lin. We've talked about him before. He's in a couple mm-hmm. of, of episodes. I decided to just throw this in as kind of a new category of production notes. This is awards. Uh, this awards? episode was nominated for a Nebula Award. Nebula and then, award? That sounds yeah, like spacey. Just another one of these stuff. sci-fi w- awards. Yeah. I meant to look it up and have more detail about it. We'll, we'll do that the next time one is 
<laughs> wins a nebula. This also won the 2007 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation in the Short Form. Wow. Uh, short Form, I guess, opposed to, like, a movie, I, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, an, here's another Hugo for Doctor Who, and I, if I remember correctly, another Hugo uh, for the same for, dude, for Moffat. the same writer, for the same exactly, movie. exactly. So I can understand. Not a lot to Empty talk Trial about. Was really good. Pardon? Yes. Both well, of these episodes. Our, have been it was our favorite. Well, like, yeah. It was the like, one that made. I think all of us most parts of our lists. Actually, yeah, but your favorite was Boomtown. So, wasn't that right? But I mean, overall, as far as like people and things and all the different categories we covered, yeah. I'm changing most... my ranking for that one to nine out of ten. Wowzers. Gas masks. Gas masks. Uh, <laughs> gas masks protruding from the mouth. <laughs> All right, so let's take a quick look at the cast. What do you mean, that's the Doctor? Doctor Who? Basically, all we need to really talk about this week is Renette slash Madame de Pompadour. She was played by Sophia Miles, and she had some credits to her name, a bunch of stuff that, like, we always encounter. Things that... I'm sure are important to other people, but none of them even rang any of my bells. <laughs> so I just was like, yeah, okay, she did some stuff. The important note that I found, though, is that during the filming of this episode, she and David Tennant started dating, and they actually what? dated for two years. Whoa. So interesting okay. that, oh. and, and Stephen Moffat called this episode, uh, either, either Moffat or Davies, one of the two, called this episode a love story for the Doctor, and it's... Yeah kind of interesting that it ends up I remember up. during the confidential she said the first thing I thought when I got this role was oh yeah. my gosh I get to kiss the doctor Ooh, I get to kiss the doctor like, what in the world yeah. yeah yeah and so she they end up dating for for about two years wow. uh, apparently at some point she moved to America to take a role in a movie or a, or a show maybe and yeah. so they just kind of parted ways you know no, no big, like, ugly breakup or anything. We're going to shift things around a little bit, maybe to help us out with our episode flow here. We didn't have a ton of miscellaneous trivia, but I wanted to go ahead and jump in and talk about the special effects, kind of under the umbrella of production notes. So special effects, first of all, we just had costumes and makeup. We had the French Renaissance era, 1700s costumes. For Those some reason, I was, like, thinking of it as Victorian, but I was like, there's no way. I said Renaissance. That's not right at all. Yeah. You're right. That was more Victorian. It was? It. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Was France even under the rule well. of Queen Victoria? Uh, no, this, no, that would have, no. <laughs> this is no. France. Queen Victoria wow. was Queen of England. England. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm confused right so, now. And, and there was, there was uh, who was it? King... Was it? Who did they Uther. say? It's in my. It's in my. <laughs> Uther Pendragon. It's in my notes later on. It's King So and So Philip, maybe King Philip of France or whatever. And so this would have been like pre-revolutionary France. Queen Victoria so, couldn't have been the queen because Madame de Pompadour is going to be. So. What's that? Oh right, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Anyway. So at any rate, at any rate, I've lost my place in my notes now. So yeah, so we had the French 1700s costumes. I thought that just on a side note, the masks for the automatons, uh, the were, the mask masks yeah. were really cool. Uh, yeah. Just it just as a piece Wait, of. What did you call them? Hmm. The droids. What did you call them? I don't know. What did I call them? <laughs> I think you just called them automatons or something. Oh, did I say automa? I said automatons. Spoilers. Not, not the autons. No, they were not the autons. The the the, the robot things. The, the the clockwork androids is what it yes. ended up calling them. 
And so <clears throat> there, when you pull a, the mask off and you actually see the, the gears and everything, that was just super cool. Corbin asked me if that was CGI. That was mm. not. That was all practical effects. That was just really I should have cool realized stuff. that that looked way too realistic to be CGI. Especially for CGI. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember the space gargoyles from last week? <laughs> yeah. So then you... Uh, and the Reapers. Sp- speaking of the CGI, you also had the the eyeball security camera. Yeah, that was... Ugh. That was kind of... <laughs> yeah, that was kind of creepy. The heart that was That's in the wall... That's going to be my rating. Uh, yeah. The heart in the wall was not CGI. That was a practical effect, so that was that was kind of cool. Uh, wow. Let's see. The outside shots of the the SS Madame de Pompadour, the, the spaceship spoiler they're all Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler. Well, again. That's the last thing you see in the episode. Yeah. If you didn't know that. The <laughs> spaceship, I thought, I thought the spaceship you know that was cool that was yeah. a neat little effect yeah. and some it was kind of some like shots that of space satellite five but yeah. reminded me a lot of that yeah. yeah it was weird the way there, there's like two halves of it spinning in opposite directions yeah i, I was like what is that all about well, it was other more than like it looks cool two well yeah two halves but two quarters because it was kind of split in that sort of way wait no no it was split in half i don't <laughs> think so thank you for trying <laughs> Bob, tell him what he's won. It's only the fins on the end. Um, it was. Oh, I thought it was the whole. Anyways, really not important. I wonder how much money they spent on hey, this. Hey, you know what I, I didn't... remember in the first season they blew all their money on the second episode. So. Right, right, right. All right, so that was those those CGI effects and practical effects and all that. Now we're gonna jump into the checklist. Well. We talked about the baddie of the week already a little bit, the the, the clockwork droids. Apparently this was taken yeah. off of, of an idea. There was there was supposedly a clockwork man called the Turk in like the eighteenth century that show that, that that was being displayed in like fairs and was things like steampunk? this. Uh well, sorta of, it was so supposedly it was a clockwork man that played chess. That played chess? Uh-huh. In like the 1800s, 1700s, 1800s, something like that. And then it turned out to be a complete hoax. It was just like, you know, a guy in a suit kind of <laughs> thing. But that became the inspiration for this, this storyline. Yeah, this storyline. And you're actually going to, that that inspiration gets used again with a similar character a couple couple seasons from now. Spoilers. So, <laughs> well, I didn't give you a whole lot of the, the details or anything like yeah. that. What did, uh, Trip? what did the doctor think of the droids when he sees them. When he fantastic. <laughs> Did he call him fantastic? No. He I think didn't. at one point he said fantastic to something. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's this. that's on our list later on. But he called him beautiful and gorgeous. Yes. Right? Yeah. And he said it would be what did it uh, what was it an act of vandalism? Yeah. To disassemble you. Yeah, to disassemble you. Not gonna stop me though. <laughs> it's not gonna stop me from doing it. It would be an act of vandalism. But I'm still gonna do it. Yeah. We did have. That sounds like the doctor right there. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. Duh, right, the rules, pshaw rules. Our well count. We had three. We had two of them, like back to back, right off the bat. It was like uh, Rose asks, "Is there any life on this?" No. Well, not dangerous. Well, not too <coughs> dangerous. Yeah, just uh, Rose, stay here and do a scan. You know, just in case there's something dangerous. Uh, and then what was yeah. the what was the third one? I don't even remember what the third one was now. Oh, it came up later on. I don't remember. So that brings our total uh, well count for the series so far up to eight. And then, as Trip mentioned, he we did get a fantastic. He said that Renette was point. a fantastic gardener. Mm-hmm. 
which is just a random thing to say about I know, somebody. right? Fantastic. We didn't Apparently get any I'm sorry. She was like good at everything. Yeah. Yeah. She was like just she brilliant. Rattled off like, she was just everything. You rattled off like six things she was amazing at. I was like, what in the world? Right, and then there was... She's also seen the future. Uh, yeah, 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 she gets a little bit of that. So there was a, a point in time where uh, Rose was trying to explain to her about the whole time windows thing and all this kind of stuff. And you're talking about somebody who doesn't know about electricity. You know, yeah. so try and explain to her <laughs> time windows. And she basically goes, okay, so what you're telling me is there's a, there's, there's a ship, and in that ship you can walk in and out of my life at various points in time, uh, various points of my life, Whereas I just have to go along on the slow path, and yeah. you know, and Rose goes, yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's so. like better than I can explain it in old French. Exactly. So she was pretty sharp, pretty bright. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a bad wolf. Um, we did not have. Uh, oh, Corbin, tell us about Torchwood. So apparently, this is the only apparently. episode in the whole season. That doesn't have a reference to Torchwood in it, and I found out why that was. Uh, but, but part of part of why that was, this was actually originally supposed to be episode two of the series, but it, it when the original story idea of the uh, Clockwork Androids yeah. was given to Stephen Moffat by Russell T Davies, Moffat just ran with it, and I don't remember how much of the fireplace. You know, the, the wibbly-wobbly stuff was a part of the original story. But as that started getting a little bit more wibbly and a little bit more wobbly and things got a little bit crazy, Russell T. Davies said, you know, this is getting really experimental. Why don't we give the fans a little bit more time with the Tenth Doctor before we do this episode? So it was already kind of an episode out of, <laughs> if you pardon the pun, out of time, where <laughs> it was thrown out of sequence and then and so it it was going to be two, and then they decided to move it, and then well, hey, since we're moving it, why don't we go ahead and move Tooth and Claw? So that episode was not originally supposed to be number two, I think it was. It ended up being the second one. Yeah, the was werewolf it the one? first yeah, yeah. one? No, it was two. No, no, no. Uh, no, what was one? What was one? The Christmas. No, that was yeah, no. yeah, that was zero. New Earth. New Earth. One was New Earth, yeah, and then New Tooth and Claw, okay. and then School Reunion. Right with the, with the space gargoyles. I realized another reason why Torchwood didn't show up. Hmm. They're a century earlier than that thing was founded in France. So nowhere near Torchwood. <laughs> sure, but just yeah. it wasn't even mentioned. You know, like it wasn't yeah. brought up at all. You know, so uh, and and it's the only time that they're going to do that. So apparently, this show was just so like out there and experimental <laughs> that they just it didn't fit with the with like the rest of. The series. the series so they just they just kind of left it out we didn't get anything trip did you catch anything on the time war you're kind of our time war guy i don't remember anything do you remember anything okay i didn't think so but i didn't excuse me i don't know if maybe we missed well, anything well actually there was one thing oh there was sort of okay when she was reading his mind mm-hmm. she said when you were a boy you were lonely and lonelier now yeah. Oh, okay. So, kind of. Sort of. Yeah. But, I guess so. It's a good connection, though. Yeah. Yes. It's a good connection. Small, but... We did have some jibberty-jabberty. We had um, we had a couple. One of them zipped right by me. I didn't catch it until later on. But the first one was the spatio-temporal hyperlink. Trip, what was that? What? Do you remember that? We only caught it as temporal hyperlink. Yeah, we couldn't catch that first bit there. It was the spatio-temporal hyperlink. And they, they're like... 
the the doctor says, oh, it must be a spatiotemporal hyperlink. And they're like, a what? And he goes, I didn't want to say magic door. <laughs> because essentially that's what the time windows were, yeah. was magic doors. So he said, I didn't want to say magic door. I just made up spatiotemporal temporal hyperlink. There was the multigrain anti-oil. Which, yes. Yeah, which was uh, essentially some kind of, it looked like wine, and yes. when he poured it on the robots, they got all gunked up. So it does the opposite of oil. He says, if it moves, it doesn't. Then you had the Zeus plugs. Now, this one zipped right by. I didn't catch this until the research, but remember when he comes in and he's got the tie around his head and he's uh-huh. like wearing sunglasses and he's all like, he's he like he's drunk sunglasses? and at the end of the party and everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> He must have pulled them out of his pocket or something. Pulled uh, one what? They're bigger on the inside. Hmm? The glasses? Yeah, the sunglasses. sunglasses. I didn't even think about it's the like fact that France. You know, he doesn't have sunglasses. 1700s. But. Exactly. So he, he says something about how he, uh, he had been using the Zeus plugs as castanets. You know, like the little clippity-cloppity things that they, you know, they... Uh, what is it Spanish dancers use yeah he yeah. said he'd been, just been using those at the party so he didn't know where they were otherwise he might try to use them to fix the time windows so you kind of got a little bit of a jiggery pokery and jibberty jabberty at the same time <laughs> he was he would have used the Zeus plugs to try to seal the time windows he now destroyed them by using them like well he, mis- he misplaced them he couldn't remember where he put them but the that will fir- end up horribly <laughs> with the like space time continuum he just left them in the past. Meh. <laughs> Nobody will know what they are. Mm. Hopefully an alien won't discover them or something. Well, I mean, they saw him using them as clappers, so... Yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so apparently the, the fourth doctor also mentioned Zeus plugs one time, and he was going to... He, he thought about using them, but decided he didn't need to use them to fix the TARDIS's broken thermocouplings. The what? Exactly. In the episode, The Hand of Fear, which was Sarah Jane Smith's last episode. Oh. Do y'all remember when we watched yeah. her yeah. goodbye at the end? That was The Hand of Fear. So the last time we heard about Zeus plugs was when Sarah Jane... I, I, I keep wanting to say uh, Sarah Jane Parker. I think I'm... I'm getting her confused with somebody Sarah Jane Smith. Sarah Jane Smith, yeah. The last episode with her, and so now the the episode after the last episode with her, here comes uh, Zeus plugs again. (laughs) Jiggery-pokery! We, uh, oh, this was a small one. The doctor lights a candle with his Sonic. (laughs) What? Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. And somehow he's... Somehow he finds that as proof to the fact that he still is the fireplace man. Yeah, I'm, I'm the fireplace man. And he lights the candle. Like, yeah. oh, all right, sure. What? Why not? Um, all right, so now we're going to move into basically other stuff we noticed. We're going to hit a couple of uh, of our regular categories here, and then this is also just a the, the, the catch-all bucket for anything else that you guys wanted to throw out there and discuss. We do have some more main topics that we're going to hit. Uh, towards the end but companions mickey got pretty dang excited didn't he <laughs> <laughs> yeah what did my he do when he walked up trip is a, a ship a, a spaceship. spaceship i got a spaceship on my first time out <laughs> brilliant <laughs> yeah it's oh man this is so great he uh he learns that don't go means definitely go right don't the doctor go says means... don't go looking for him and and rose starts to leave and he says <laughs> the doctor said don't go and she looks at him and then he goes Right. <laughs> I know. Just picks up a fire extinguisher, freeze ray gun thing. 
And I know, whatever. Like, like, that's an epic freeze ray. It's fire extinguisher. And I called that before they even said anything about it. I'm oh, like, did you? He picked up a fire extinguisher, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, oh, and, uh, because we can't go an episode without slamming Mickey. There was a, a bit where he said something about, he said something to Rose about the horse. And oh, Rose yeah. says, you're not keeping the horse. And he says, why not? You got to keep Mickey. So, <laughs> you know, if you're going to keep your pet, I'm going to keep one of my own. So, uh, who is Rose? Uh, we saw a little bit with her. There wasn't a whole lot of character development with her. No. But the one thing that I did notice was that she was totally okay with his little fling with Renette. Did you notice that? That, like, yeah. she's kind of had this whole, like... I really like the doctor and like not especially last episode with and Sarah the last Jane. one with all the yeah, jealousy. She got so jealous, so jealous. And then on this episode, like he literally like made out with the chick, <laughs> and a couple of times now. Yeah, and was you know just totally head over heels for this woman, and then apparently going to, to bring her along. Yeah, yeah, like coming so to get her from the past. I don't think that's a good idea. And Pick a star. Well, everybody else I mean, he picks up, he picks up from the past from somebody's know, point of but view. But at any rate, so she's totally okay with that. I mean, they don't even know about electricity and stuff. Yeah, electricity Yeah, but still, exist. I mean, think about how far Rose was removed from five billion years in the future or whatever. I mean, you know, it's not... Yeah. Terribly different. Yeah. Actually, it's completely different because Rose was way further removed. But at any rate, she didn't have really much of any kind of jealousy. She actually felt bad for the doctor. She's yeah. like, hey, are you okay? Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Always, guys, always, always take a banana to a party. Yes. <laughs> because bananas are good. Are good. Are good. This made me laugh so much. and um, As soon as he pulls out a banana, I'm like, I know where this is going. Yeah, yeah. He says he accidentally created the banana daiquiri two centuries early, uh, which is hilarious. It's just, a like, banana daiquiri. That's a drink. It's a, it's a drink. Oh. Uh, so so he, he said, hey, why don't, we, why don't we have a banana daiquiri? And not only did he invent the banana daiquiri two centuries early, apparently they've never seen a banana before. They've never they seen them in South America, before. I think. Uh, yeah, so I they say, never I'm, would have. I meant to. I meant to look up and see if that was historically accurate, and I, I assumed that it is. So Probably. they had never <laughs> they even make seen that a banana. Big of a mistake, I hope. You hope, yeah, you hope. But the uh, so, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm reading through the notes on this, and the word banana is clickable because there's an entire article about bananas <laughs> on tardis.wikia.com. <laughs> Uh, and there's there's way more stuff in there that I'm going to go into, but I did want to mention a few things. Basically, I narrowed it down to things that happened on screen before this point. <laughs> because if you counted the comics and audio dramas and novels and then stuff that's going to happen later on down the road, there's an entire page. There's an entire article Whoa. on the website. So oh so thus far, we've seen the the sixth Doctor... Yes. Was looking for a piece of wire, and he pulled. He's searching around his pockets. He pulls out a banana. banana. <laughs> then you have, of course, we saw the uh, the ninth Doctor talk about how he liked bananas. They're a good source of potassium. That whole thing. And then, of course, you had the bit where uh, he, he switches it out. He with, switches yeah. out the banana with like the gun or whatever. Sonic had. Blaster. Captain Jack's Sonic Blaster. And then you remember, remember the really fun little tie-in there of of 
why he swapped it out with a banana? Because it was made the it was once a banana factory, and then it no. where it got other way around. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the yeah. weapons factory, factory became a banana farm. <laughs> yeah, because it exploded. Because remember, the doctor I visited. I went there once. Yeah, he <laughs> like was I said, like, once. I went there once. It blew up. Like I said, once. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and uh, it didn't hit me until just just today when I was looking at that. I don't know if that's a, a Johnny Dangerously reference. You guys haven't seen that movie yet, but there's a guy that's you know, you shouldn't do that, Johnny. My my brother did that to me once, once. <laughs> it's like a running gag in the movie. Anywho, so you have an entire an entire article for crying out loud. I love the internet. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh, Corbin, what did you say about the episode title under stuff we noticed? The title really is all about perspective, because from Renette's view, it's the man in the fireplace. Right, and the episode is the girl in the fireplace, right? Yeah. Right. And she actually does call him fireplace man a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, right up until the point she starts calling him the doctor, because she Uh reads his mind or whatever. (laughs) Um, Oh, and then, oh gosh, Corbin, tell us about the pun. Oh, the pun. Uh, So at the start, they smell something burning. And they he said, said it's it, it, Mickey said it smelled like a Sunday roast. Mm-hmm. So like somebody was cooking a pot roast. Yes. You know. And then later on the end in the episode when they realized what the materials they repaired the oh. ship with were. Yeah. Okay. So I messed it up. So Ricky said, Ricky, Mickey said <laughs> it smells. Uh, the doctor said, what's that smell? Rose says it smells like someone cooking. And then Mickey said it smells like a Sunday roast. Mm-hmm. So Rose said, "It smells like someone cooking." And that then has a <laughs> and Trip's, Trip's eyes just got so big. <laughs> later in the episode, <laughs> like the doctor talks cooking. about that when they figure out what the ship has been repaired with. He says, "It smells like someone's, someone's cooking." cooking. <laughs> <laughs> it literally was someone cooking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty so that's, sure that's called an was there, idiom. Yeah. We're, so, did you guys have any other random bits that y'all wanted to discuss? Uh, All right. Overall impressions, Corbin. What is your overall rating out of ten? What's? Uh, I like this one. Yeah, I like. I like. We're waiting. How? <laughs> I like how the time travel played in with this one because my yeah. favorite time travel movies are like. When you hop around in your own timeline and stuff, mm-hmm. and especially bootstrap paradoxes and that sort of thing. Which we're going to get to later. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 fire extinguishers. <laughs> Ice blasting fire extinguishers. Trip, what about you, man? Um, I say I really, really like this <coughs> one because it kind of messes around with time and stuff. Right. How, like, he went into the fire, he, like, chink, I'm gonna go this way now, and then, like, a couple of years later, chink, okay, now I'm back. <laughs> it's like, it's only been, like, ten seconds for him, right. and, and the past has been, like, five years or something. Right, yeah, yeah. What would have been funny is if, like, he's talking to her through the fireplace, then goes through, she's like, that was months ago. Well, she does. She says that was weeks ago. The next time he comes through. Because he comes through twice. And the next time he comes through, she says that was months ago. I'm not following. 
I'm saying like. Let's talk about that when we get back to Wibbly Wobbly. Okay. All right. Okay. So trip, out of ten, what are you gonna give it? Um, I think. Hmm. I'm thinking maybe. <laughs> maybe a nine. I'm gonna say eight and a half out of <laughs> ten. Um. Creepy wall hearts. Wall hearts? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, what's a wall heart? No, son, it was a broken clock. Oh, wait, the wall heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The heart in the wall. Corbin, what did you give it? Uh, eight. Eight, okay. Uh, uh, eight, eight. What? what was it again? Uh, what did it? Uh, oh, the uh, fire extinguisher. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, uh, yeah, guys, this... Uh, this I don't know, man. This might be my favorite one so far. Like, I know. both series. This might be my favorite one. For the same reason, the wibbly-wobbly. We're going to talk about that in a, in a, towards the end there. But I'm going to give it... Oh, gosh. I hate to because I always leave room to grow. But I'm going to give this a good solid 9 out of 10. Uh, oh, no. Ah, ooh. I forgot what it was going to be. Oh, no. I forgot what it was going to be. Let's just give it 9 out of 10 mirror-smashing <laughs> white horses. Mirror-smashing white horses. All um, right. Uh, wait, creep. Oh, what? Real huh? quickly. What? Yeah. I forgot to mention this, but in the Tardisode, when the clock breaks, that was so <laughs> bad looking. Worst effect ever. I know. Right? I was like, Cheat. that is the worst like CGI paused, I've ever seen. It wasn't. Yeah, that's it was like what they you paused said. the camera, shot it with a BB gun, <laughs> and then rolled the camera again. That's all it was. So. <laughs> All right, so creep level trip. Um, it, how how creepy was this? Because there was some creep. There was some creep level in yeah. this. Yeah, when like he reached like under the bed, was, like, oh yeah, right. That was terrible. Okay, guys, let me ask you something. All right, you're on your bed, <laughs> and I walk in, and you don't know me, by the way. I'm not your dad. I'm a strange man, and I walk in. It came out of the, the fireplace. It came out of the fireplace. It's the middle of the night. I look under your bed, then I stand up, and my eyes are huge and wide, and I look terrified, and I say, don't look behind you. How happy are you right now? Um, right? And let me ask you, what would you, one on a scale of one to ten. what would be freakier, what would be creepier for you guys, sitting there staring at me with my freaked out face, or turning around and seeing that creeper behind you? Uh, What's creepier? The cre- I don't. It's a lot creepier honestly, thinking about it in real life. I think it would be creepier for me to not look. Yeah, probably. Probably. You know, they say the scariest thing is the is the scary thing not seen. You know, yeah. like your brain can always imagine way worse, worse than what's actually happening. Yeah. So, um, so there was, I mean, there was some creep level here. The, the Tardisode made it seem like it was going to be a much creepier episode. <laughs> than it turned out to be yeah uh, and i just personally i can't stand whether it's the whether it's the the creepy santas from the christmas invasion <laughs> or the autons or anything Dude, that has a guys? face that doesn't move <laughs> i can't stand that unblinking like did they just not realize that a perfectly smooth face does not look human i mean Who? seriously Aliens. Oh, I don't know. I so me personally, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a, a good solid two twenty six out of five hundred creep levels because it was it, at the beginning. I think it was creepy. It got way less creepy when they pulled the thing off and you saw what they were. But even yeah. still, the way they move and the not only is it the blank saws coming out of their fingers. Okay, that was creepy. Uh, but not only did they have a blank, unchanging face, 
but they had a blank unchanging face with black holes for eyes I and know. the gaping mouth that's kind Ugh. of smiling but not you know blah, blah, blah. anyways <laughs> trip what are you going to give it out of 500 creep um, levels i'm gonna say just to kind of i mean i think this was one of the more scarier ones uh, agreed <laughs> <laughs> But I kind of really don't know, because I don't want to go too high, because, sure. I, cause I know there's going to be definitely more Because cream. you have no idea. <laughs> Silence. No idea. You didn't look that up, did you? No. Okay, good. <laughs> it's like, you no. told us about I don't even want you to see it coming. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. All right, so what are you, um, you going to give it? I stayed below half. I think 300. 300? Okay, That's Corbin. That's above half, definitely. It is. Uh, I don't know. I didn't think it was that creepy. But probably Seriously? if I had seen this before, like, The Empty Child or one of the other ones, I would have thought it way more creepy. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I'm going to give it 200. 200? 200. All right. 200. Good deal. All right. Well, that brings us to uh, a real good segment for this week. Who is the doctor? <coughs> I demand to know who you are. I don't know. He is the android's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was awesome. I forget who said that. Was it Renette that said that? The, no, the, it was the uh, doctor himself. I think it was the doctor. Oh, the doctor said it himself? Yeah, he said... I made the note, and then I didn't I, get, I think it's like... Those guys' nightmares are, and he said, me. I'm... No, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure he said, they're your worst nightmare, and I'm theirs. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So here's yeah. the thing, Trip. What you said is very interesting. There was a book called Love and War. That was a, It's a Doctor Who novel. Uh-huh. And the seventh doctor... Somebody asked the question, what do monsters have nightmares about? And the seventh doctor said, me. me. So what you were saying, you were basically quoting that that uh, that <laughs> book, which, yeah. by the way, this book gets referenced a lot in this episode. Apparently, it leaned pretty heavily on that, uh, on some of the material from that book. Uh, there's a great bit where the guy says, I'm the king of France. And he says, really? Well, I'm the lord of time. No, I love that. <laughs> Checkmate, Mr. King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> He knows the name of every star. I thought that yes. was really cool. Um, I love it when they throw out little tidbits like that. Well, he never said that specifically himself. He said, uh, you know... What's her name? Renette, Renette just Renette said, said, I bet you know the name of all of those. And he like said that. something to the effect of, pretty much. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear I'm that pretty part. sure. <laughs> I'm not listening. I think that's right. Well... I think that's true. I hope that's right. Well... I'm not sure if that's right. Anyways, uh, oh gosh, uh, oh there was a great there was a great bit there where he thinks he's stuck, you know, on the slow path, yeah. and he says, "I've always been a bit vague about money. How do you get money?" <laughs> Which I thought is classic doctor, right? But I, I wonder how much of that was a little bit of a wink and a nod to the to the fans yeah. because it is one of those things they never talk about. Doesn't he actually? I thought he kept money on him from, like, every era. And he You're thinking of Dr. Emmett Brown. Who's that? From Back to the Future. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. that was it. Yeah, they addressed that, right? The one time that I ever remember this being addressed, and I, I, I could be not remembering something, but when they went to, oh, gosh, I think it was, I think it was um, Station 5, 
he Shadow scans a little card? thing and gives uh, Adam infinite credits or whatever. Remember? Mm-hmm. He gives yeah, him the yeah. card and he says, here you go, infinite credit. You know, <laughs> so, okay, he used a little jiggery-pokery to make that happen, but yeah. you can't go to a, you can't Sonic an ATM in 1727 or wherever we were. Uh, so <laughs> If you know, there's no ATM. Right. He's always been a bit vague about money. How, how do you get money? How does that work? <laughs> Towards the end, I already mentioned this a little bit, but it just bears repeating. Rose asks him, are you all right? And he just looks and he says, I'm always all right. And I'm just like, Doctor, why are you so sad? <laughs> he's like such a he's such a tragic character sometimes. And this is like, I don't know, sort of the epitome of that. So let's talk about Renette. I know we're under who is the doctor, but uh, in this episode, a lot of the doctor is wrapped up in Renette and in, in Renette, yeah. right? So uh, first of all, there was just the the little note that she gets a we get a Doctor Who reference here, right? She says yeah. Doctor Who. So I just I always have to point out anytime we actually get to um, to hear that line. Uh, apparently, speaking of the Doctor and Renette, apparently the Doctor is Vulcan all of a sudden. Like what? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He just like grabs her face and starts reading her mind. Vulcan mind meld. Yeah. Like, he did. He like he's like uh, this is gonna feel weird. My thoughts to your thoughts. No, he doesn't <laughs> say that. But you know, it's like it's totally what he's doing. Um, and I and his I was like, his hands are even like positioned the same sort of way. Exactly. I did not remember this okay, at all. We really got to check to see if this has been done on screen before. Now I got gotcha. you. The seventh Doctor did something very similar to this with his companion Bernice Summerfield. Mm. So it's happened before. Now all of a sudden, I can't remember in my notes here if this was on screen or if this was a novel or audio drama. I don't remember, but it has happened. So. There you go. And now it's happened on screen. So now it's definitely a thing that yep. a- apparently happens and is and is a thing. So uh, I just thought that was amazing. I, I wrote that down right away. I was like, and he's Vulcan. Cool. <laughs> yeah, um, that or Spock is a Time Lord. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen him regenerate, but it's possible. Actually, if you think about it, he did die and come back. Yeah. Hmm, good point. And he has traveled through time. But what about his father? Oh, I don't know. A bunch of times? What about what? What about his father? What about his father? Whose father? Sarek? Yeah, yeah. Sarek. What are we talking about? He can do the Vulcan mind milk. So your theory is not a good theory. <laughs> <laughs> We're not in the theory segment. You can't shoot down my theories if they're not actually theories. Anyways... <laughs> Um, I thought it was interesting. Renette says that a door once open can be walked through in either direction. So mm-hmm. he's like, open your mind to me. And she reads his mind too. thought that was interesting. She said that he's uh, in the process of reading his mind. We learned some about the doctor. He had a lonely childhood. And as Corbin noted earlier, even lonelier now. Yes. Uh-huh. Why are you such a sad character, doctor? <laughs> he is, man. He's such a tragic character. Uh, she, she, says, uh, she says, Doctor Who... It's more than just a secret. There's an interesting question that was posited in the on, on some of the websites that was saying, did she learn his real name? Because, by the way, this is a thing that will come up later on. What is the doctor's real name? And The doctor isn't his real name? No. So. That's just dumb. Have we? Man, we'll, we'll get into to this a little bit more later. But suffice it to say for right now that the Time Lords all have titles. So Hmm. you have the Doctor. 
you have the master, you have the president, you have the general. Uh, so there's these different titles that oh. the Time Lords have for themselves. And there's something about their true name, their real name. There's something very important about that, that even right now, where the show is right now has not fully been settled out and figured out yet. It's still an ongoing thing. So this idea of Who's the doctor said his name is unpronounceable by humans. Like Spock, like yeah. That. Uh, so that's it, the thing is, for years, this idea of the doctor's true name is going to play out. You know, I just over the course of at least, I think it first comes up with Tenet. So 10, 11, really? 12, and now thirteen. It still hasn't been put to rest yet. So you're talking about four doctors so far. And that's just from New Who. I don't know if this ever came up in Classic Who. I, off the top of my head, I don't know. But this has been this has been a thing. So did she learn his real name? We don't know. Um, There's just a possibility there. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, it is possible, still is actually, that he's speaking in Gallifreyan, but the TARDIS is translating it into English. Oh, that's probably exactly what's happening. Yeah, Wait, but what about everybody else that. there? The TARDIS translates to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they've never been in the TARDIS. It translates it, for people that have been... It, go, it, goes, it translates both ways, because everywhere they go, the people don't speak English, necessarily. Yeah. But they, they hear it in English, and then they speak English, and the aliens understand them. So apparently the TARDIS translates both ways. So, but that is a good point because they, I don't know that And that makes me, I just realized something. Remember how Cassandra suddenly started speaking 21st century Cockney accent? Yeah. She probably wasn't actually speaking 21st century English. She was just doing the Cockney accent. (laughs) Cockney accent of five billionth year uh, Cockney Uh, British? Anyways. (laughs) So, um, Renette is also has the dubious distinction of being the first non-companion to kiss the doctor on screen. Now, again, this doesn't count comics and audio and novels and all this kind of stuff, but she's the first non-companion to kiss the Doctor on on screen. How many times has this happened already? What? Has what happened already? Uh, someone kissed the Doctor. Uh, Rose did twice. Did she kiss Tennant? Yeah. No. What? Technically, Cassandra did, so this isn't the first non-companion, but... Ooh. They got good, it raw! Good point. Good point. Well, you know... It was technically... The body. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, though. Depends no, on how you think about it. So, so but, uh, Rose was both the first uh, non-companion companion. I don't know. Anyways. It's confusing. So, that was just an interesting uh, little note there. You have a few... Uh, again, a few little insights about who the doctor is. Rose tells Renette uh, he'll be here when you need him. And I just thought that kind of sums him up, right? <laughs> Renette says, oh, I love this. Renette says, that's the way it's always been. The doctor and the monsters. You can't have one without the other. Rose says, he'll be here when you need him. She says, yep, that's the way it's always been. The doctor and the monsters can't have one without the other. She also says that in a world of, uh, excuse me, a world of demons is worth it if it means getting to meet an angel. So she mm. says the doctor is worth the the monsters. the monsters. Yeah. So interesting, interesting uh, feelings that the doctor stirs up in people. We do not have a rant of the week. So Corbin and I are starting uh, to wonder if that was more of an Eccleston thing. Yeah. And I seem to remember that it, that that being more common. So maybe it just won't happen every week, yeah. like I did with Eccleston. 
Uh, I don't. Was there one single episode where we didn't have a rant from him? No. I think one week we thought, oh, there wasn't a rant, and then I suddenly remembered one when doing the notes. That was in series two, though. That was in series one. Oh, that. Oh, okay. So yeah, pretty yeah, much Eccleston every last time. Last week, I think. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. Uh, so Eccleston anyway. is really just a powerful speaker. Yes. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and a ranter. Mm-hmm. So that brings us down to uh, some theories. That is enigmatic. That, that, is, that is textbook enigmatic. I just had one theory. For, well, did you guys have any theories for this week? No. No, no not really. Slackers? I <laughs> <laughs> okay. haven't um, had many. I had a theory. I didn't know if I even wanted to bring this up because this, this is going to fly over the heads of the noobs out there. But Whovians think through this with me, is Renette a proto-Amy? Now, for the noobs out there, Corbin thought that proto-Amy was like an alien type of thing or something. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 not a proto-alien, a- a- not a proto-Amy, but an Amy prototype, like an early version yeah. of Amy Pond. Uh, so you have the it's Doctor... Companion, isn't it? Hmm? What? It's companion, isn't it? What? I'm sorry? <laughs> the Doctor meets a young girl... Then goes away for a few minutes in his time that turns out to be years in her time and earns a nickname along the way being either the fireplace man or the raggedy man. I just the whole time I was watching this, you know, this time having watching it with hindsight, I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this very much echoes a story that we're going to see in a couple of years. And, uh, so I just, I didn't know, and I couldn't, I couldn't see any reference to it. I couldn't find any reference of were these two stories on the back end, like production side, are they connected at all? Is there any sort of like, Hey, y'all remember that time we did this with Renette? What if we did that again, except different, like, um, so at any rate, there's some, there's some similarities. I also wanted to point out that there are some similarities between this and I would argue the Amy thing, uh, but even more so this one between this story and then a, a, a novel called The Time Traveler's Wife. There's actually a movie based on it, too. And, guys, you want to talk about wibbly-wobbly. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, the basic premise of the book is that you have a guy who travels through time and not at will, completely randomly, completely unexpectedly. He'll just be sitting there, and then he travels through time and space, shows up somewhere else, always on Earth, you know, uh, always, you know, he doesn't ever show up like the Stone Age or anything, but he just randomly shows up. And in the course of all this, um, he experiences life out of sync with his wife. Aww. So his wife is moving through time linear, in a linear fashion, one after the, you know, like we experience time. And he's hopping all around and their timelines intersect. And it's amazing. It is a really good book. It's a really good movie. And I'm sure um, talked a little bit about that. He was able to like, plan events ahead of time and yeah stuff. there's there's some uh there's some bootstrap stuff in there and everything so speaking of bootstrap stuff since you guys don't have any other theories and that was all i had let's talk a little bit about a new segment i'm just calling wibbly wobbly but actually from a non-linear non-subjective viewpoint it's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly timey-wimey stuff I said last time, I don't remember if I said it on the podcast, but I know I told the boys that this episode was a wibbly wobbly episode. Mm. So I wanted to explore that. Now, if you guys uh, have been listening all the, all the way through, we did a, a, a wibbly wobbly episode in between series one and two, where we, uh, what did we watch? 
Meet the uh, Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons. Yes. Yeah. Really, I think our Wibbly Wobbly episode should be about time travel, kind of like this, where it's just all over the place. Yeah, well, that's the yeah exactly. That's the idea, and sometimes we'll yeah. I mean, who knows what we'll do with that? We'll just we'll take some time to to yeah. watch some movies here and there because I got to train up these nerds. If I don't do it, who will? We have some some time travel stuff. How about this, guys? I was thinking about it as we were sitting here discussing this episode that for a show about time travel, if memory serves me correctly, this is the second episode that has dealt with time travel as a function of the show. As a function of the story, right? You yeah. got Father's Day. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Where she knocks her father out of the way. Right. Were there any other episodes? Nope. Where time travel had something to do with the story and the plot other than now we're five billion yeah. years in I'm the future. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this twice before for a TV show about <laughs> time travel and space. They do very little traveling through time or space. Or space, yeah. They spent the whole first series on Earth. Or in orbit of Earth. Yeah. And then the first time they left Earth, they went to New Earth. Uh, So this one really does travel through time, like bounces around in time. And Mm -hmm. uh, the the, the wibbly wobbly clip that you just heard, that is Tenant, Doctor Number 10, speaking later on down the road. We're going to get to that episode. That episode really messes with this concept. Um, And so when I say wibbly wobbly, a lot of times Doctor Who uses that. Uh, the show uses that to just sort of hand wave things away. That's where you say, well, how could this happen if that happened? And if they went back in time and did this and you just go, ah, it's wibbly wobbly. <laughs> just a bunch of wibbly wobbly timey wimey That's exactly stuff. what I usually think. Really. Right. And so Doctor Who is very weird about its following of its own rules. So as we Basically, encounter... Basically, it just doesn't do it. Uh, yeah. Some movies and some shows are better about that than others. And what I want to do is just anytime we come across something like this, let's just talk about it. So let's talk a little bit about the wibbly wobbly elements of this episode. So first of all, Corbin, talk about your favorite thing in the world, would you? Bootstrap paradox. This is my favorite. Bootstraps, bootstraps. This is my favorite paradox. And did this idea originally come from that... (laughs) book or whatever buys bootstraps is that where the expression came from or um so there's an expression lifting yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with time travel it just yeah. means you pick yourself up so it's kind of a paradox in and of itself in the in the spatial sense of just yes grab your own bootstraps and pick yourself up out of the dirt and 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 the idea is usually like economic, right? Like you made your way, you you became a successful person by picking yourself up by your bootstraps. So, the, oh gosh, I can't think of the guy, the author, but the guy who wrote the book, uh, the short story by his bootstraps, I think was playing off of that term. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that you would physically pick yourself up out of the dirt by pulling on your own bootstraps, this guy did stuff in the story by pulling himself up. He he literally, you know, he he pulled himself up, but using time travel. So, so what is a bootstrap paradox basically, Corbin? When it's a never-ending loop that's caused by itself. Right. Like, trying to think of a better example than. Well, give him the example from this episode. Okay. So, I don't remember if this is at the beginning of the episode or in the Tardisode. She says, 
um, you know, kind of like speaking to the doctor even though he's not there. The clock is broken. You promised you'd return when the clock broke. Right. Then later Just on... Sound, the, shouting that into the fireplace as uh-huh. a grown woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then later on in the episode, when she goes onto the ship, she can hear what's happening in her future. And right. she hears herself saying... The clock is broken. You promise you'd return when the clock is broken. And there's no time he actually promises that. Right. So the only possible way for her for her to know that is that she heard herself saying it and must have assumed the doctor did promise that to her past self. Or future self, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of weird. Well, she doesn't... Yeah, yeah. I guess she had to assume that it was her future, but she doesn't even mm-hmm. understand time travel or anything like that but yeah so so she she heard herself say you promised you would come the clock is broken you promised you would return so then because she heard that later on when she sees the clock broken she says doctor the clock is broken you promised you would return um and the reason that she said that was because she heard herself say that because she said it because she heard herself say it because she so interstellar where did the information come from that he promised he would return when the clock broke nowhere the information came from nowhere it's a bootstrap paradox it it Mm -hmm. exists because it existed because it exists you know it's it's a it's a infinite regression loop there interstellar had a really complicated bootstrap paradox Right. Spoiler. Where? Spoiler. Okay. Don't go there. There's a movie that. We, the movie. Yeah. There's a movie that we could uh, that we could do. But yeah. So if you've seen that movie, then you so, know what we're talking about. He never said to her at any point, and so um, she uses that information to give that information to herself later on, unknowingly. But you know, either way. Um, and it's actually now that I'm thinking about it, I said unknowingly, but she would have known. When she heard herself say it, and then down the road in the future, she said it. So she because would have known that when she was saying it, she was saying it in such a way that she, her past self, heard it. Oh, yeah. So it was knowingly the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, at any rate, so you do have that bootstrap paradox going on. That's fun. However, we have something happen here that bothers me about Doctor Who, and I couldn't... Maybe if I spend more time, I can figure it out. I can find it. But Doctor, the Doctor at one point... It, they're trying to figure out how to how to how to save Renette, and Rose says, "Just let's get in the TARDIS and go back there and save her." Right. Mm-hmm. So, in one sense, they're on the ship and they're looking through you know a time window and they see her and they could just jump in the TARDIS and go via the TARDIS to where she is in space and time. But he says we can't use the TARDIS. We're part of events now. I was originally trying to figure out why they didn't take the TARDIS back in time to come pick him up. Because they couldn't control well, they, the TARDIS. Right. They didn't know how to fly the TARDIS. They had yeah, that was the problem there. Knowledge. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I, I did think that was interesting, but... Just open the heart This of the has TARDIS happened again. before. We've we've sort of addressed this before. Do you remember, we, we've talked about why doesn't he use the TARDIS to go back and stop the Time War or save the Time Lords or whatever? He's part of the... Talked about it a little bit in Father's Day. That's where it originally came up, wasn't it? The Probably. other wibbly-wobbly episode. Exactly. And the, so th- there's this idea within Doctor Who that once the TARDIS lands, you're in that time stream. And you have to see it through. 
And it's really weird from a production standpoint, you look at it and you go, yeah, when you get to the end of this episode, the TARDIS can leave. You know, that's, you know, that's the real world. Mm -hmm. Look at it. But within universe, I've never been clear on the mechanics of that. Why? Why can't they leave? And I mean, we saw what happened in Father's Day when they did change it. So maybe just that's why it's going to destroy everything. No, 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 no. But see, that's the problem. That's the other problem is that they go back. He's supposed to die. Rose saves him from dying. And then the Reapers show up and everything goes crazy and the whole universe is going to get destroyed. But how often does the Doctor show up and save somebody from a monster or an alien or a thing? That because he wasn't supposed to. Huh? That he wasn't supposed to. Right. Unless this whole universe is just working on the premise that everything that's happened is supposed to happen, even when it seems like it's not supposed to have happened. Right, and I think we even kind of talked about that a little bit in that episode with the Reapers because in the end, it's like everything worked out okay. And yeah. in the end, the timeline gets restored and, and blah, blah, everyone, blah. And everyone, they don't even realize, like, why the heck he ran out there and jumped in front of a car. They just know, <laughs> they don't even remember the Reapers. They exactly. They know the dude ran out there exactly. and got killed so, by a car. So you have, this, uh, you have this thing where, like, the Doctor, in that instance, you can't change it, bec- and he says... There are some things that are fixed points in time. Mm -hmm. So he kind of establishes this get out of jail free card for the showrunners by saying some things are fixed points in time and cannot be altered. And by some things we mean the things the writer chooses. Exactly. Whatever things we find convenient. And guys, there are some wibbly wobblies coming down the road that just hang their hat on that idea (laughs) and just say, nope, you can't fix this thing. And that's why things <laughs> have to be this way. You can't move this wrench. Uh, right. But you can do this and that and then a lot of that. Exactly. Even though we moved that same wrench last week. But other than, forget about that. Forget about that. That was last week. <laughs> this week, can't move wrenches. Wrenches are immovable objects. We cannot change those. So, I don't know. We're Like I said, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about this whenever it comes up. And see if we can't maybe piece together some stuff. I may, you guys know me, I'll end up probably doing a little bit of reading here and there and whatnot. um, Because it is an ongoing thing. And it's an ongoing thing that I don't know if there is a real definitive, here is the canon solution. Because the fans talk about it all the time too. And just kind of even a joking way about, well, you know. You can't, you know, the doctor says you can't do this unless he decides he wants to. <laughs> like, forget about that. And actually, it actually, a companion says that. And one, I don't remember, I'm pretty sure it was 12. One of the companions said it to 12. Basically, like, don't give me all this nonsense about paradoxes and rules of time because you break them whenever you want to. And we do see that. We the do see where is, the doctor kind of goes rogue. Basically, every adventure they've been on, except for adventures where the aliens they're fighting have been other time travelers like the Gelfs. Um, I, that was the theory, actually, but every single... What like, was the question? Be, I'm saying whenever... Every single time the alien they're fighting or whatever has not been a time traveler, he's basically altering the past. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my point, is that he's constantly going and changing time. And then sometimes he'll hint at, wait a minute, this isn't the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. What? 
<laughs> you know, like, because, and sometimes that happens because, oh, there was Daleks, there was other time travelers, but then sometimes it's just, no, just something just showed up. It's not like it traveled through time. It just mm-hmm. was there. So wasn't it originally there? Wasn't it always there? Why is And you what? always stopped it? Huh? Yeah, exactly. Right. Anyways, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. That's All right. really why I hope we never invent time travel, because we're just going to destroy the entire Unless universe. Unless we already have. I don't trust the government anyways. Okay, let's make a quick pact. If any of the three of us invents time travel at any point in our lives, we're going to come back to this time right now. Wait for it. Crap. We didn't do it. We're not super geniuses. Dang it. <laughs> that seemed very clever, but I just stole that straight off of an episode of The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, at any rate, guys. If I was the one who created it, I probably would have just destroyed it anyways, so. Yeah, I would never make it. Okay. <laughs> Join us next time, guys, for Series 2, Episodes 5 and 6. We have a two-parter coming up, The Rise of the Cybermen, which is going to star, spoiler alert, the Cybermen, uh, followed by The Age of Steel. It's a two-parter, so make sure that you join in for that one. Guys, you are not going to be disappointed. Uh, some of us in particular are not going to be disappointed by this uh, this two-parter, uh, one-arc story here. So uh, make sure you check out the Tardisode, episodes five and six, and then check out your uh, Doctor Who. Both of them have Tardisodes. Uh, you know, I I would imagine I don't know. I'm also wondering if they both have confidential. Because there's 13 tortoises. Uh, so. then then maybe then maybe and they did air a week That'd apart. So these these always are, you know oh, yeah. we watched them together, but they were yeah. aired a week apart. You know with a to be continued. Uh, so at any rate, uh, make sure that you do all your homework. In the meantime, the Noobs and the Whovian is a production of Master Closet Studios. Research provided by senior producer Austin Reason. Hey guys, that's me. Our audio engineer is that guy over there, Trip Reason. Corbin, the guy on the other side, is our production editor. He's our production editor. Hey. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia and to Star and the rest of the staff over at the Timber Glen Library in Dallas for the DVDs. Make sure you check us out at Facebook.com slash Noobs and the Whovian. You can also email us at Noobs and the Whovian at gmail.com. We are still waiting to hear from Miss Star and the staff over at the Timber Glen Library, so make sure you guys drop us a line if you didn't last episode. Until next time, guys, my name is Austin. I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Trip and Corbin. And we're the Noobs. And we will check you guys out next time. It's my favorite part of the show. That sound right there. Come on, let's go. Come on. And we're out. Hey, whip. Pause. Why? I'm gonna pee my pants. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the only podcast on the internet doing some stuff. I think maybe the new hoob, the, <laughs> the new the new hoobs and the hoobadoobian. Yeah, hoobadoobian, hoobastank. Hey, my name is Austin. I'm the Hoobie, and these are my sons, Corbin and Trip. And where's the And I think another problem we had was that I was not really talking with my broadcast voice last time. So how does the waveform look now, son? Pretty good.
Way better. Wrong sun. <laughs> How does the waveform look? You're looking a lot better. I think we all just kind of really need to speak up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we always. Yeah. Because, like, right now, even my waveform is, like, really, really tiny whenever form. only I'm talking. Yeah. Are you? Maybe turn me up just a little bit. Um, actually, tell you what. Trip, bring the headphones down. Bring the purple down a little bit. A uh, little, a uh, little bit more, a 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 little bit more, 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 more. No, it was too much. Go back up, 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 right there. Wait a minute, down just a little bit, right there. All right. So Corbin, now that you're not hearing yourself quite as loud, can you talk louder? Um. Yeah, I guess. Talk like you're on the show. Okay. The new Jimmyvian. I'm my name is Austin. I'm the Hoovy, and these are my sons, Corbin and Trip. And where are the news? And Corbin, what did you think of the show? This was a really cool show. I like how wibbly wobbly. Nobody cares. Trip. <laughs> what did you think of the show? Awesome. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey. All right. Try, play that back and see if it sounds. Oh, 